Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. Um, 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So I don't know about you, but for me, this verse has always felt like um, almost abrupt, out of context. So First John is one of my favorite epistles, favorite book of the Bible, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Such a profound book, um, replete with revelation. This is what I mean. So chapter one, in chapter one, John the Apostle says something like, to the saints he's writing to, you have fellowship with the Father. He says, he says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. In chapter 2, the Apostle John says, you have an advocate with the Father. Your sins are forgiven. He says, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous is the propitiation for your sins, not just for ours alone, but that of the whole world also. Chapter 2. In chapter 3, he says, See what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. He says, Beloved, now are we God's children. In chapter 4, he talks about how the perfection of love drives away the fear of judgment. In verse 4 of chapter 4, he says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In chapter 5, Verse 13, it says, I write to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Such a book of, of profound revelation, a deep book. And after saying everything, almost like an out-of-context statement, John just says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. For a long while in my head, I'm like, we are saying more about it. We are saying more about it. Um, so our thoughts this evening will be around that verse. Um, idols. It's almost inevitable that when you hear idols, the first thing that comes to your mind is our statues, shrines, priests, blood sacrifices. But let's see what the scripture has to say. Revelations 4.11. Let's open our Bibles. Revelation 4.11 is revelation, not revelations. Revelation 4.11. I read from here. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. KJV says, for your pleasure, they are and were created. God made man for himself. All things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.16 Man was made by God for love. Man was made to love, relish, cherish and find ultimate satisfaction in God. God made man for his pleasure. And brethren, the, the essence of Adam's sin and the sin of every man that has come after 
is a desire for self-determination. The essence of man's rebellion against God is that I will be as God to myself. I, I will determine what good and evil is by myself. Idols. Exodus 20. Let's open our Bibles. This is church. Exodus 20. I'll read from verse 2 to 5. Exodus 20, from verse 2 to 5. I read from here. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So, right, right there, at the beginning of the com God's communication of his eternal moral principles, right there, on top of the list of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, God is writing in caps lock, you shall have no other gods before me. There are no coincidences in God. He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. In Romans 1.25, Paul was talking about a um, fallen man. He described him this way, Romans 1.25. He says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creator rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Since God made the universe and everything in it, idolatry will mean choosing God's good gifts above the God, over the God who gave the gifts. At the heart of idolatry is having something or someone other than God around which your life revolves. At the heart of idolatry is having something or someone other than God from which you find ultimate meaning, worth, or satisfaction. Idolatry is man choosing God's good gifts. And making gods for himself out of them. So God gave man trees. Gave man vegetation. For fuel. For wood. For furniture. Um, for food. So man goes into the forest. Chops down the wood. Makes it into a funny looking shape. Puts it in the corner of his house. And bows down to it. Pays sacrifices and prays to it. And says you are my God. This is idolatry. Peace and gave us a definition two weeks ago. He said idolatry is to have something or someone you cannot say no to. An idol is something or someone you always say yes to. Since, from what I said in 1 John, it was not written to a mixed multitude. It was not written to um, Gnostics and believers. It was written to those 
who had eternal life. Child of God, you are in the middle of a battle. You are in the middle of a battle for your attention and your affections. And, and one of the greatest wiles of our enemy is to desensitize us from the battle. So what it does is it puts us on snooze right in the middle of it. You're in the middle of a battle for your attention and affections. And the field of this battle is your mind or your heart, depending on the version of the Bible we are using. So Colossians, Colossians 3.1. Let's open our Bibles. Colossians 3.1. If you have been raised with Christ, some version says, since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Child of God, as long as you are constrained by mortality, as long as you are bound by this body of flesh, you are in a battle. It's a battle you will have to fight. It's a battle you cannot wish away. It's a battle you will have to face head on. So, Satan, I say it again that the essence of idolatry is having something or someone around which your life revolves. It's having something or someone that gives you the ultimate sense of satisfaction, of worth. The essence of idolatry is taking something or someone other than God to be the center of your life. That is the heart of idolatry. Um, so when I left camp a few months ago, one of the first conversations we had in um, TEC Evangelical Seminary, somewhere in Anthony, uh, myself and Pastor Share. So we talked about this. Um, so Robert Morris, the pastor of Gateway, Kai Joe's pastor, he, he shared this story. He said he was on vacation. I think it was in Southern Baptist Theological Seminary at that time. He said he went on vacation with his wife, I think, um, in Hawaii. And the tall guy took them to this place. You know these Hawaiian um, statues that look like heads? They're usually big and weird and stuff here. Yeah. So he said he took, took them to the forest and they saw this statue, big one, managed to be preserved over the years, over the centuries. He said the tall guy then pointed them to it. There was something like a pavement, like an altar in front. The tall guy told them, um, our tradition has it that on that pavement, child sacrifices used to be offered like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And he said, the name of the idol was Molokai. I think it's, a, it's an island name now in one of the Hawaiian islands. He said the name of the idol was Molokai, and the, the sacrifice he demanded was children. Robert Morris now said, as soon as he heard Molokai, someone that was still in seminary, Greek and Hebrew was still hot on his head. He said the first thing that came to his mind was the Ammonite god in the law and prophets, Molech. That required child sacrifices by passing through the fire. Point of that short illustration is there are no new idols. There are no new idols. Over time, they can change their UI. 
they can do rebranding. But the, the sacrifices they demand are the same. Their implication on your on man's work and God's will are the same. Their impl- implication on your eternal destiny is the same. Okay, so um, we don't bow to Molokai, we don't bow to Molek. But Simon was talking when we were driving home a few weeks ago on abortion and stuff. And I looked it up before yesterday. So Pew's, Pew's demographic said, since 1972, um, Roe v. Wade, an average of a million babies are aborted every year in America. We don't bow to Molokai. But in the name of fitting in, ideas, ideologies like antinatalism, and that unbiblical, anti-Christic version of feminism. You know that one? Has now become something that is open to discussion amongst God's people. So we don't, we don't bow to Molech. We don't physically offer up our children. We don't make them pass through the fire. We're actually sacrificing our children. The idols didn't change. They just did rebranding. So your mind, they're like, this molek child sacrifice thing no concern me. What is Egbon saying? How about Aphrodite? Aphrodite, the god of lust, of passion, of sex. Countless amounts, amounts of boys, of girls, of women, of men are depressed and live their entire life insecure because their perception of their beauty does not meet the current subjective standard of society. So you don't worship, you don't worship in Aphrodite's temple. But our influence holds sway over your life like a cloud. Um, this one will concern me. What's Aphrodite? I'm not depressed. I'm okay with my body. Uh, but the clear, undeniable, biblical standard of modesty What scripture tells us about how we as believers should look and act in a world that is subjected to corruption, to sin and death is disregarded. Body positivity. We don't bow to Aphrodite. We don't visit our temple prostitutes. But porn is an endemic. You should not have looked at when I looked at you. Acting suspicious. <laughs> Porn is an endemic. I was having this conversation with a pastor friend recently. And this senior pastor said, um, when brothers come to his office for counseling, he said he, he, he starts out with this assumption that nine out of ten of them are either struggling, have either struggled or are struggling with porn. The average young man at 25 has seen more naked men, women, and men in his life than his grandfather did in his hundred, the grandfather died 100 years old. He has seen more naked women than a man saw throughout his life. But you don't go to Aphrodite's temple. Some of you are like, I'm free for all this thing Glow is just shouting about. I don't do porn, bro. Yeah, you don't do art porn. 
Now you can call me fundamentalist. And when we are through, one of the important things about this is, so what I'm doing is exhorting. If I say nonsense, the overseer will come and correct us. Amen? You can call me fundamentalist. You don't do hard porn. But you are entertained by movies and music videos and TikTok reels that, that glorify lust. That pervert God's order for marriage. You, you guys noticed that in the last five to ten years, any movie that does not have guys kissing guys, girls kissing guys, does not get renewed. So idols have different names. They make different demands in their sacrifices, but their goal is the same. We started with man was made to worship and find and give pleasure to God. But the goal of all our idols are the same. All our idols work to take the place of God in our hearts. Our hearts. If you're a temple, your heart is the altar. The goal of these idols is to snuff out the fire of the love of the Father from the altar of your heart, child of God. That's why in 1 John 2.15, apparently the closing remark was not out of context. In 1 John 2.15, the Apostle John says, Do not love the world. All the things in the world. He goes on to describe all the things in the world are. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's not saying if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is dwindling. He's saying the love of the world and the love of the Father are mutually exclusive. They cannot coexist. If your heart is an altar, you cannot burn incense to two deities at the same time. And our idols know this, so they deceive us. Our idols are okay with us coming for midweek service. Your idols are okay with you going to a world church. Your idols are okay with you giving, praying and fasting. As, as long as you just give them room. You are in a war of affections and the battlefield is your heart. So some of you are thinking right now that um, okay, okay, I get, I get. But this one still no concern me. I want to borrow Solomon's words. A class of idols he called, I will call little foxes. They, they cloak they shroud themselves in insignificance. They look like nothing. I'll mention some of them briefly. Read small Bible, we'll pray, then I'll leave your face. So on, the, on this side, I'll mention them in peers. So let's go. On this side, intellectualism. On this side, esotericism. So intellectualism is this. This is what I mean. Intellectualism as an idol. Prioritizing. This is the sacrifice of demand of you. You prioritize knowing stuff about God, accruing information about God, above knowing God, serving God, and doing His will. The other intellectualism. 
One sacrifice, another sacrifice to demand is you must always win the argument. You, you must always be right. You, you must always show that he or she is wrong in the most embarrassing way possible to them. And preferably in public so people will know they are dumb. The, the idea of intellectualism will make you throw away any aspect of God you cannot explain fully. Any aspect of God you cannot rationalize. The other of, of intellectualism will make you forget that this thing this brother is saying, that you are correcting them about, you believed it a few months ago. It will make you forget in such a way that you will not show grace, patience, and saying the truth in love thing. That's the idea of intellectualism. Then, esotericism. If they ask you, what are you doing? What are you serving? You say, the Lord. What are you doing? I'm earnestly desiring. But what you are doing is just, you are obsessed with the gifts he gives. Um, if you go to a meeting and there is no and chairs are not breaking and people are not falling down the Lord was not there you've forgotten that the earthquake and the wind and the shaking of mountains where Elijah went to meet the Lord were void of his presence. He says, and the Lord was not in them. Your God is the spectacular, the sensational. And you are missing God in the simple. The life of your mind is dead. This is what I mean. The, the open door of the riches, of the treasures of wisdom of God as found in Christ Jesus, that open door, you stay outside. Because all, all you want is power. And even that power you are seeking, that fasting and prayer you are doing, is so that you have something else to brag about the next time you, they give you the mic. It's so that um, they will rate you on the streets as, bro. So we had this meeting um, during COVID. COVID was, a, was interesting for me. So I had this meeting during COVID with some teenagers back in my village, the city of God, Jeba. Um, and when we finished, it was, such, it was such a beautiful time with the Lord. These young guys and girls got saved. Um, people did what we call rededication. I, mean, I believe it's a thing. And when we finished, this older guy, like my age mate, came. Oh, like, he said, man of God, um, thank you so much and everything. He says, sir, if I may ask, I was looking at him, if I may ask, can you share some of the mighty deeds, these are his words, some of the mighty deeds that the Lord has wrought through you. So I have a meme face, like the thing just comes naturally. So I just gave him a meme face. Like, I was actually really confused. Number one, because it was creepy. And number two, because I don't have any mighty deeds. <laughs> But we just finished a meeting. Teenagers just got saved. Like people just trans they just transitioned. Yeah, interesting word. Transitioned 
from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you are saying, um, mighty deeds. The idol of esotericism. The next twin, the next twin idols, pride. And this, this definition of pride, my own definition of pride, is, is in the sense of engine your worth. Engine your, your value on the unique privileges. Engine your worth and your value on the unique privileges and giftings God has endowed you with to do his will. So it's part of our confession as a local assembly that the Lord sends us possessions, aka gifts and platforms. This pride is saying, because God has given me this particular possession to do his will, I'm better than the next guy. It's to have an inflated view of yourself. Pride. There is this other one. Self-derision and timidity. I like this one very well. So self-derision and timidity looks like this. Pastor Shea chats you up on Sunday night and says, Hey, Wos, um, the pastorate said you'll be exhorting the church on Wednesday. You say, oh no, pastor, no, I'm not worthy. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, like, you go and meet Pissam. Self-direction and timidity looks like, put on your jacket, comb your hair, go to Pissam. Pissam, please, my head is not there. And Pissam responds, go and get your head. In your mind, you are, you are humble. You are, it's cute. But what you are doing is, you are placing how you feel about yourself. How people will perceive you. Over the will of God. You are placing how, how you will look. Over what God wants to do. Self-direction and timidity. You are in the boss. You have the impression in your heart. Share the word of God. How many of you have noticed that most of the people that share the gospel in buses, what they share is they know gospel. The, uh, you are having impressions in your heart. You share the gospel with this sister. Start up a discussion with this brother. But oh no, what do I know? What will I say? What you are doing is how I feel about myself is more important to me. Than this person, this person's eternal destination. You are in the taxi boat from Antony to the island, so you have time. Because you're you are not stuck in traffic. You have time, but no. What will I say? Just let's be cool, let's arrive. Timidity is false humility. Both pride and this timidity are are twin idols, twin children of the idol of self. It is you you are worshipping. It is, it is you that is on the altar of your heart. How you feel. Let's move on. The next batch is leisure and the grind or work. Leisure. You, the, the greatest enemy to meditation and contemplating eternal truths 
is entertainment. Yes. The greatest enemy to meditation is entertainment. On the Lord's Day, a few days ago, please I'm talking about exercising and applying ourselves in the truth of God's word. Hammered on this thing heavily. That your first action in applying yourself in God's word is meditation. Meditation. But you are distracted. Because you just want to unwind. You want to flex. Now, this leisure and the grind. Lagos is such a weird place because it blends both of them beautifully. I'm not just talking about in different people. Like in one person. One person can have the idea of leisure and the idea of work. We, I say we, we can binge Netflix and animes. Amen. For eight hours. <laughs> For eight hours. And uh, our pop evangelist and preacher say, as long as, as long as you just do it consistently, even if it's five minutes with the word, just do five minutes with the word. Um, um, just make it consistent. This does being is nonsense. You are in Lagos. Your, your mind is under assault with anti, anti-God information consistently, constantly. And any small free time you have is TikTok, Netflix. I said, we all. Whereas the precious gem of the knowledge of God cannot be found on the surface. They must be dug up by careful contemplation. You, you have to exert yourself in meditation. The, the enemy knows what is on the other side of you going through this furnace of meditation. So it sends you distractions. Let's leave leisure. Now to walk. You're in Lagos, so you're always on the move. By the way, idols are not always bad things. Um, they are good things that take the place of God in us because rest is commanded in scripture. So also work. The man who does not provide, who does not work, is worse than an infidel. But you have become too busy. So busy. So myself and Pasha, we're having another conversation when I just go back from camp. So the boys know, I mean back in the Disha, when I first came. The boys know I have one weird habit. So, it's, it's not weird. It's just interesting. I wake up with a song when I wake up. Or tongues. And, yes, tongues. Don't tell me like that. And, the, my voice when I wake up is usually more baritone. Amen. So, usually, so imagine, imagine all the boys in seminary hostel, all of us are Sleeping. <laughs> All of us are sleeping. Around five, five, four, five thirty, and someone just go. That's how I used to wake up. That's how I used to wake up. It's just like it's campus life. Honestly, don't look at me like that. judging with your eyes. But that's how I used to wake up. I'm, I'm preparing for school. I teach. Amen. So I'm preparing for school, and I'm singing. I'm praying in the shower. So I think within the first week, I just came out from the bathroom. My pastor looked at me. He said. Um, he said, I like it. He said, I like that. I like your favor. I like your... I mean, I like it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. He then said, well, be careful, though. He said, Lagos has a way of snuffing out pharmacy. 
In my mind, that time I was like, what are you saying? I live in Peace Sam's house. Church is literally in the parlor. And I mean, I'm safe and secure. But nine months after, they're not going to tell you. Leisure and work. The end goal of our idols is to snuff out the love of God in our hearts. The last two. Hedonism and ascetism. I'm feeling like peace and son this night. Amen. So, hedonism and ascetism. I'll explain them. Hedonism. Love for comfort. For pleasure. An obsession with, with ease. Hedonism is your God. Because your following Jesus has never cost you anything. Jesus was not, was not just talking to the twelve when he said, if anyone, he said anyone, would follow me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and do so. I was talking to you. Many of us are slaves to our appetites. You will do the will of God. You will do, I will follow you for the rest of my life. As long as it costs me nothing. As long as it's easy. As long as it does not intrude on my convenience. I like my privacy. I like my space. I cannot come and be suffering. I, I was not so built. Your comfort, your pleasure, your enjoyment is your God. Many of us are slaves to our appetites. Proverbs 23, 20. That's 2020 or 2023. Puts gluttony and drunkenness in the same category. We're a church that is big on orthodoxy and church tradition and history. A few weeks ago, we did, we did, we had a session, we had a talk on, around the didache, and we saw that um, the first century church. The early church, rather. Fasted twice a week. Again, as I said, peace and can come and correct some of the things I'm saying. You're a child of God. You cannot remember the last time you fasted to 12. And we'll talk about asceticism as an idol too. You're a child of God and because of your desire for God, your desire to know him, to... To learn, to learn his will, to, to just pour out your love on him in fellowship. You, you cannot deny yourself food for, for, for six hours. And some of us are not even like this. I just felt to say. Some of, some of you were not like this before. You were not like this before. Gluttony. Slaves to appetites. Let's free that one. Ascetism. Ascetism. Is that, is that self-righteous attempt to attain a level of deserving poor? <laughs> I will press in. I will enter by works. You turn your back on the good things that God has given us freely. Richly to enjoy because you want to enter a dimension 
and um, break into a portal or into a realm of the divine. But really, it's a lie. You just like you just like to have something to brag about. You turn your back on God's grace, and you strive to earn all He has freely given. Ascetism. So you you know which of these idols has your name tag on it. Me self, I know. Their goal is the same. And they are all pals. Okay, so even though they make different demands of sacrifices, they are all friends. They are not just all friends. They have the same overlord. They have the same master. The prince of the power of the airwaves. The spirit at work in the children of disobedience. And he is insistent. He has experience. He is wily. And he will keep coming. It's why even though as you are talking now, you are feeling weird. Possibly. As soon as we, we close and we leave, those guys are right at the door waiting for you. You keep coming back. And you notice that something interesting about idols is that they are like mirages. So it's like coming from the farm. Okay, cannot relate to coming from the farm. But walking... Walking on, walking on, on a sunny day, you know what mirages are now? You see like a puddle in front. Oh, when I get there, there will be ease. There will be respite. There will be, to be cold. And you get there and like, no, 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 it's there. Then you keep coming for more. The more you yield to them, the more you are hooked on them. Now, the path to deliverance. The path to deliverance. First John 5, our anchor text. Let's go back. We're in church. Let's open our Bibles. 1 John 5. 1 John 5. So after telling them that they are forgiven, they are loved of God, they are, they are sons of God, they have eternal life now. Verse 19. 1 John 5, 19. It says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding, the elimination of the Spirit, so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Christ Jesus, is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep your hearts from idols. You're a child of God. You've been brought out. But don't forget, you are in, you are in enemy territory. The world around you lies in the power of the evil one. Child of God, wake up. Don't forget. Keep your hearts from idols. He paints a picture of, 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 a, of a town or a city under siege. They are dead. They are dead. They are waiting to break in. Keep your hearts from idols. Isaiah 53, 55, verse 1 to 3. Isaiah 55. Verse 1 to 3. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? 
listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. The power of a superior satisfaction. There are no shortcuts to escaping the grips of our idols. Turn to the Lord. You come. Eat. You come. Drink. You stop spending your life, your energy, your days, your time on that which does not. You come. Eat. I will satisfy you. Turn to the Lord. The believer is not helpless. And if you feel weak, turn to the strong. Turn to the strong. Guard up the loins of your mind. Stir up yourself, child of God. Find the weak embers of the love of God in your heart to flame. You stir up yourself. Leviticus 6, 12 to 13, I read from here. It says, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn the wood. Who shall burn the wood? Church, who shall burn the wood? The priest shall burn the wood on it every morning. The fire is not coming from heaven. The priest shall burn the wood on it every morning. And he shall arrange the burnt offerings on it. And shall burn the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. And it shall not go out. Why? Because the priest shall burn the wood on it every morning. God has done all that needs to be done as regards bringing you out of darkness into light. Yoku Diowore, the one that remains, is inside your hand. Fan the fire of the love of God to flames. Find satisfaction in God. Turn to the Lord now because your idols are not without consequence. Remember Lot's wife? Jesus literally exclaimed like this in, in, in Luke 7.32. He was talking. And next thing he just says, remember Lot's wife. God had saved them from the, from the city of destruction. Reminds me of Pilgrim's Progress. God has saved them from the city of destruction. This was salvation before them. But she looked back. You have to rise like, like, like Gideon, like Jerubal. And tear down your idols. You. Because if you don't deal with them, they will deal with you. In the immediate, they will cripple your effectiveness in the doing of God's will for your life on earth. And if you let them, like they did an entire generation of God's people in the wilderness, they will keep you out of the promised land. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. 1 Corinthians 10, 5-7 Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did, not be idolaters as some of them were. You were made by God for his pleasure, child of God. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all. 
with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.